What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Uncut Sheets. This is Alex, the Sport Card Stallion, and I'm flanked by the loudest mouth east of the Mississippi. What up, everybody? It's your boy, Fat Snacks, a.k.a. Jordan Silverberg. And today we are here with an amazing, amazing guest for y'all, Stack and Sell. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing amazing. Just made a renovation a couple more months ago, and it is now stacking sports. Oh shit! Uh, New update. Oh, I'm behind. Oh, oh, hey, oh shit! Turn, turn lashes to the back. Stack I, and I have been called stacking. Like I still go to shows, and every time it's stack and sell, stack and sell. But I, the reason I changed it, I was like, you know what? I don't want it. So I'm I'm selling something to someone every time, and they feel like I'm a salesman. My content is more. I try to do it sports based, sports cards going to sports games so i was like you know what let's change that word sell to sports and uh yeah that's why i decided to do that no 100 just shout out to all the ogs who remember the original name but the new name is just as fire and i love the idea behind it yeah so- i like it i like it you gotta pivot, right if you're busy, exactly you gotta pivot you gotta pivot and set yourself up for success so i like that and uh yeah i think uh yeah, Jordan, that's strike one, though, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Won't happen again, boss man. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we do like to do a uh, section on a, of our show. It's called the Quick Fire Challenge. Mm-hmm. And it warms our guests up, you know, get to know you. It's like a this or that kind of deal. And uh, it's very easy. You'll, you'll, you'll okay. get it easy. I'm All in, right, so I'm first in. question. It just... Option A or option B, you know, very simple stuff. iPhone or Samsung? iPhone, 100%. Easy. This Easy. guy's a professional, ladies and gentlemen. If you're sending a check, a, 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 some green bubbles, that is not a, a good look. Not a good look. Shots fired at green bubble users. <laughs> All right. Favorite hobby trade show um, and favorite local trade show? Ooh. Uh, favorite show. I've only been there once. Burbank, and that's coming up at the end of this month. Looking, it, it it felt like a national when I went, and I'm looking forward to it again. Great time for buying if you're on the uh, vendor side. I also had a good time either way on on the other side as well. And then local show, just because I get to see everybody that I like came up in the community with, and and just all the people that I've seen was actually a show yesterday. It's only like 80 tables. It's the Schaumburg show. Here in like dope show, small, yeah. And and I went there as a kid, probably like 10 ish years ago, and it was dead, it was not what it what what it is today. And the last like year and a half, it's really picked up to being a lot better of a show. Get to see all the people that I started when I got back into doing cards full time like two years ago. I can see all those people that I started with and a bunch of new people, so I really, really love that show. The hobby is alive. Yes. Yeah, it's really cool to see the hobby grow in a way where, like, you know, shows just two years ago or when you were younger and starting in the hobby, like, weren't thriving. And now to see, like, you know, people are worried about prices, this, that. But then you look at the size of some of these shows and you're like, my God, this would have been a God tier turnout, you know, a year ago or this or that. So to show that the hobby is doing well and thriving is always a great thing. Yeah, if you were if you were in here pre-COVID and you saw some of the shows, it was like, oh god, this is sad. Like, yeah, these, like like you would set up, you'd make like, like even if you had really really good stuff, you'd set up sometimes, and it'd be like, 
man, this this sucks. Like, I'm not getting any traction. I'm not getting any new faces that I'm seeing. It was a lot of the same people every single month. Which now I'm meeting new people every single month, every single show. So Yeah, it's so great. cool. Yeah. So, so cool. Mm-hmm. Alex, go ahead with the next. Nick, if you had to choose one person to help save you from a zombie apocalypse, who in the hobby would it be? Oh, in the hobby. Okay. Yep, you got to choose hobby. Oh, in the hobby. One partner. I I, I think that he would kind of be like the uh, – what's like that – the in Call of Duty when you like throw that monkey bomb and like they distract them? Oh, it just distracts everyone. Yeah, I would throw Seabloods out there and he would distract <laughs> all the zombies. And he would start doing his thing and I would just start running. So I, I throw Seabloods out there. Hopefully they don't kill you, Seabloods. But he would he would be the guy that I bring to the zombie. I vibe with that. If you guys know, Cod, you got the monkey bomb distracts him. He's gonna throw the sea blast. He's gonna be like, "I love the hobby. The <laughs> hobby is my girlfriend." He's gonna be dancing, Macarena, and freaking Sal is just gonna be running. He's gonna be like, "I'm out of here, buddy. Like, I'm gone." So yeah. see, I, I go with Chad. I go with Chad. Yeah, that's a good that's answer. Very, very nice. All right. Wait, Jordan. Let me switch. Let me switch this one up real quick. We're we're gonna okay. ask a really tough one. Oh, oh man! Are you ready? Are, are you ready? Yeah, take a drink of water. Make sure you're ready after this type of question. <laughs> I need oh, a drink God. for this. Yeah, one. I'm sweating. Okay, Alex, are you ready? Yep, Jordan. I want you to ask this one because I can't. Keep All right, it this is hard hitting, so don't be mad at us. I know we didn't prep you for this, but um, Jello or pudding? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Mm. He's sweating, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you can see I, on his forehead. Mm, what kind of like is there like, any kind? It's any your kind? choice. Best Jello flavor in your opinion versus best cho- or pudding flavor in your opinion. I mean, I'm a I'm a Jello shot kind of guy, Ooh. but yeah. I I do love a nice pudding, and you could do like a banana pudding. You could do a chocolate. So I'm gonna go pudding here. There's a lot of versatility, and, and most Jellos taste now. the same unless there's alcohol in there. So I'm gonna go with pudding. Okay, nice. nice. You're, putting, you're putting the best answer first. I like. Yes, that. yes. <laughs> Jello community in shambles right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a fire outside my office window right now that just stoked up. So. Yeah, picket fence. Oh <laughs> gosh. All right. If you had to choose one meal to eat for the rest of your life with one beverage, also. So one beverage. If it's soda, it's only soda. If it's alcohol, it's only alcohol for the rest. Same with the meal. Now, if it's like a meal like grilled chicken, you could do barbecue grilled chicken. You could do terry. Like, you could switch it up. Like, but you have to eat that same meal. You get what I'm saying? All right. I'm going to go uh, a Diet Coke, a DC with Ooh. with chicken and rice because I could be very versatile with that. I could do a lot with the chicken and I could do a lot with the rice. That's no- a low key fat boy answer. I am so proud of you right now. Oh, sport. yeah. Yeah. There's, there, there's versatility there. DC never gets old. But chicken and rice, I, I can I can work with. Shout out to the chicken like and rice. All yeah. right. This is one I'm going to ask you. And then, Alex, I'm going to let you finish it off because this is one near and dear to my. I'm not sure how you're going to answer, but I might cry. All right. So as an Illinois native, I'm about to hit you where it hurts. No fair weather stuff. I'm not letting you pull the I'm a Chicago fan. Is it White Sox 
or the Cubs? It's the White Sox. My boy! And, but but I will say this. I will change. I will put this on the pod, too. I will change to the Cubs next year in one condition. And I've been a Sox fan all 22 years of my life. I've cried over the White Sox. I've, I've, I've done a lot over the White Sox. But if Shohei Otani goes to the Cubs next year, I will switch. I will switch. I I will switch because this poverty franchise, Jerry Reinsdorf, has made me do unforeseen things, and I will not stand for it anymore if I have to watch the greatest player ever in sports go to the other side of town and, and win multiple championships, I'm not going to let that happen, and I will I will join that fan base if that happens. He said he's sticking his flag in the ground if Otani comes to the Cubs. You heard it here first, people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, don't get me started about Reinsdorf. That might be a whole podcast. So. Oh, yeah. Him, him with the Bulls and the Sox. I'm, I actually was, like, I had my dad sent me an article, like, three or four weeks ago, and, like, in my high school paper, they had wrote an article about, like, me being in entrepreneurship, and – I had said at the time that my goal in life was to buy the White Sox. And then I realized like that's, I'd have to be like a multi multi billionaire later down the road. And I still would love to take that organization from that man, but I think it would just cost way too much money and I'd have to uh, work way too hard or get way too lucky in life to, for that. Maybe me and you can team up because, you know, we're such tight in industry giants and we can <laughs> take it away from him. I think me and you could run it better than that guy could. I, I think most people in Chicago could run it better than he does. So. Maybe you challenge him to like a like an arm wrestling comp contest or something. And I you think can put everything that you own on the line, and then he can put everything that he owns on the line. I think he he would get a couple White Sox bobbleheads. I don't own much more than bobbleheads, cards, and and this apartment here. So it would be a not the best bet for him, but I would I would definitely do that. Well, you heard it here, Reinsdorf. If you ever want to have an arm wrestling competition, Uncut Cheats will host it yes. for the White Sox, baby. Yeah, money's on Nick all yeah. day. Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, go ahead, Alex. All right, Nick. If you had to restart your collection with all the knowledge you have today, what three cards would you choose to start with? Ooh, uh, I would definitely add uh, some sort of Giannis RPA. I just think that like long-term that's something that's going to do really, really well. I'm also like 50% Greek. So I just want my Greek boy in there. Um, Greek. Yes. I'm 50%. And, and when Giannis came in the league, I I was like, Oh, we got this, we got this Greek guy. And then I, I kind of stopped paying attention to him for like three, four years. And now he's a superstar. Um, Then baseball wise, I would add probably some sort of like Trouter Otani rookie auto. Probably, probably to know Tani. I think those are just going to do really, really well long term. And I think he's just an iconic player that no, no – I mean, he may go down from where he is now, but long term I think he's going to sustain where he's at. And then some sort of Mahomes RPA because I think at some point he'll take over Brady. He just seems like – Yeah, we're getting, we're getting bold in here. But he's got, what, two right now? And he's 25, 26? No reason that man shouldn't win another three, four down the line. Agreed. Great answers. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're talking. This is the last question of the quick fire challenge. We're talking vintage cards here. Would you rather have a PSA five or a BGS six point five? Say like a even. You could say like a fifty two mantle. I mean, 
if it was me, I would buy the six five and then crack it and hopefully get a seven. That's but, everybody's answer. But uh, I mean, I appeal. I just like the look of the PSA slabs more, and that the six five. I I don't have one on like a, a low grade BGS slab. I just don't like how the colors change on all of them. Like like the the slab color or the top of the yeah. whatever you call that. I'm like this. Just keep it the same for all of them. I, it it doesn't make sense for me. Yeah, that's something we talked about with Kunal when he was still the CEO. Is and they actually implemented it. They now have it, so it's a little bit better. It's just silver for nines and under, uh, or gold for nine fives and above to pristine ten, and then black label for obviously black label, which is better. But when they used to have that zebra for anything under a nine, and oh, yeah, it was so just, hideous. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah, so uh, I, I'd go with the six five just to crack it. But I'd rather have a PSA slab. Fair enough. All right. Alex, with the main questions, do you want to start off the first one, buddy? Yeah. Uh, congratulations. You're off the hot seat as of right now, Nick. Yes. <laughs> Back on we go. Yeah. So the first real meat question is, uh, what was the first video you made where you decided, like, uh, you know, you uploaded it and tested it to the audience? And you're like, hey, this stuff's kind of going viral. It's getting the attention where like people are asking me to make more of this stuff. Can you explain like when that happened and what video that it was where you're like, I think I have something here. Yeah. So my first like technically viral video was uh, literally just a quick transaction that I filmed at the culture collision show. I think it did like 2.5 million views or views on, on reels. And it just went absolutely crazy. I didn't understand why I was like, the, this video is just so stupid. It's just me doing a deal on a $900 Patrick Kane young gun. It's nothing special. Like, I mean, the music's okay, but it, it's nothing special. And then more people were like, man, you, like the thing that I've realized is the stuff that goes viral is when people are like, oh, you're, you're massively on one side or massively on the other side. Like, oh, you scammed him or, oh, you got scammed or, oh, this happened. And people were like, oh, you, you, you charged him too much. And then they were saying, oh, you sold that that cane for way too low. And so there was a lot of that back and forth. Um, and then after that, I was like, you know what? Like, we needed to focus more on on the real content because the, the long form content, it, it takes a while to edit. Like if, if you're doing cut, 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 cut for YouTube videos that are eight to 12 minutes and you want to drop something every week, it takes some time. It's not just, you know, like a... For today, I edited a reel this morning, and it took me maybe like 20, 25 minutes. The, the, the longer videos take a long time, like sometimes three, six hours just to edit it up. Then you got to get audio, and then you got to add pictures for some stuff. So that was my first viral, viral video on Instagram. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, that, that editing takes a long time. Like a lot of people don't know. Even in like a reel, like which is what up to a minute and thirty to be considered as a reel, I've spent like two to three hours on some of these. And then it, the thing is, I'll spend two to three hours, and then it'll just completely bomb. It's <laughs> then so like funny. The, the stupidest stuff will get the most hits and and stuff. So I try to like stop myself from over editing sometimes because. The audience is is the and the algorithm is the decider and all of that, I suppose. And there's never a shortage of opinions, right? Like 
whenever you do divisive stuff like that, like pick a side or choose what you think is the right answer, people are always going to hop on and be like, no, this is right. No, this is right. And they're just going to like, it always gets engagement. And it's funny, like both of you are so correct. Sometimes the most high off for content gets no views. And sometimes something as easy as watch me turn $20 into a hundred dollars will do mind blowing numbers. Um, but I think that's, what's cool about really learning and understanding content creation is and there are videos where you'll put insane effort in and you'll also get insane outcomes. Um, you just have to really learn what people want and understand. And I think you're yeah. someone who's done a very, very good job in a short period of time. Like, I don't know exactly how long you've been in the hobby, but um, doing content creation wise, but it hasn't been that long, has it? No, I've only been doing content for two years now. And so like two first, years, and look at where yeah. you're at, man. It's unbelievable. Hey, that's an associate's degree. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I don't have any degree. I've got, I had one semester, yeah. or I had one semester I did at a state school, and then one semester during covid that i did at a community college and that's all i got really <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't have to out yourself like that nick <laughs> <laughs> but oh no. you're saying oh i didn't even catch the joke yeah i'm saying you got two years, two years in, in, in content creation like my first year i wasn't even like I, I was just i would record something and just post it I, there was no like captions there was no this there was no that and like the last year is really when i picked up on like little like the, like you said alex like the editing when you go super super heavy onto it oh i took two hours out of this video some like one out of ten times that video does really really well but nine out of ten times those are the worst videos because people i don't i don't know some people don't like to see the super highly edited stuff they just want to see raw good content yeah. if that makes sense yep true story yeah well, into the next question, I actually kind of want to transition, but uh, like piggyback off the last question, you've only been doing this for two years, you just said. And when you first, I like, I remember seeing yourself just because I always am like intrigued when I see people from Illinois doing the same thing. So I kind of found you very early. I don't know if the algorithm kind of pushed me or whatever, but to see how quickly you've transitioned, like, how did you do it? You transitioned from a normal guy into a hobby superstar. Like you might not want to say it, but like, bro, you're freaking killing it. Like, honestly, like not just saying that cause you're on the show or anything. I've talked to Alex about you before you were on the show. Like, I just think it's very impressive. And I like to show other people how realistic it is to come in the hobby, work your butt off for a year or two and have real results. How did you do that, bro? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I did it all by myself. I've got my, my buddy, Steven, who helps me with a lot of the that you guys met at the national who yeah. do, helps me with a lot of the, the videoing and then he'll do a lot of the long form editing as well. So he's like great with that. Um, I, I've told him straight up like, Hey, I, I can't pay you the most that a lot of these other guys can pay. Cause just, I'm not at that point right now. I'm doing cards full time as a job, but just know that when I do get to that point where I'm getting sponsorships, where I, where I'm making more money in cards, I just started repack. So, making more money with that, you're going to be there. Like this has been someone that I've been friends with since I was uh, like nine, 10 years old. So it, together. He's yeah, yeah. Vision. yeah. So he's, he sees the vision he's seen. He was there when we recorded the first video in my backyard, just like going over my personal collection. And then my buddy, Robert, he doesn't do as much. He'll, he'll sometimes when he's, when he's got a chance, come and help film a video. 
but he does a lot of the the uh, thumbnails. But he really likes just doing it and getting the experience. So then, when he does get when he does graduate from college, he's got that experience and can show, hey, I, I help grow this channel from I have a portfolio ready to go show people and you've transitioned too, which I think is in your content. Like you still focus heavily on sports cards and collecting, but you've also transitioned into showing more of like sports and the, and like what is connected to the hobby. Correct too. Yeah. Which I think is very smart. Can you speak on that a little bit? Oh, definitely. Just cause I think that I like, this is me sounding like some people are like, oh, he's an asshole for this. But I think I'm a lot Bro. bigger than just than just cards. I think that like I've got such a knowledge in sports alone. And a lot of these people you're talking to in the industry that got tons and tons of money don't even watch sports. They don't know and, what the like, heck's going on. No, no. And and like I get up around 637 and I'm I'm from 630 to seven in the morning until 11 o'clock. My whole life is cards content creation and sports like i i listen to podcasts all day i listen to the radio blah 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 reading and and sports is like what i love most in life and i want to incorporate that more into my content because i know that that is going to bring more people into the hobby you go and see me go to a game i i made a video like going to a sports game buying bobbleheads i'm gonna pull people in from the mlb side and also the bobblehead side and bring them into the hobby and be like, oh, I like this guy, but I see that he's doing card stuff. Maybe I maybe I could be incorporated that way. So I don't I like some people you could just stick to cards and that's cool. But my page is me. I'm not I'm not selling out to anybody that I'm only doing cards or I'm I'm only doing sports. I'm going to do what I want to do, what I enjoy. Yes, I, I love getting the views on certain things, but if I don't like it, I'm not going to put it out there. And that's how it should be, man. Like, I respect that a ton. And listen, I've always thought it's goofy. Like, listen, obviously, bro, I've seen you love cards. That doesn't mean that you're not allowed. Like, I hate this linear of thought of, like, if you if you like anything other than cards, get the heck out of our hobby. First off, sports, gambling, whatever, all, all that stuff, like, that, all – it all intertwines either you like it or not. Like it, collecting intertwines with sports, intertwines with it. So like it's just a one-on-one, like it's an obvious transition to bring another community. And like you said, all you're doing is bringing another community. So people who might not collect cards, but love your sports content, maybe they fall upon one of your card videos and they're like, Oh, this is fun. And they buy into a couple breaks and then that gets in them into collecting a single play. You never know what might happen. I think it's smart and to survive, you got to adapt, dude. Like cards are amazing. We're all doing well, but why limit yourself to one thing that just seems silly. So I think it's smart and I respect the heck out of it. You know, no fanatics, wild card, get this man some money. He's bringing people into the hobby. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like, for example, like, since I've been in the hobby, I'm like, I'm not going to touch breaks. I'm not going to touch this. I'm not going to touch the gambling side, but I've realized like it's, it's, it's in here. It's not going anywhere. Like not, it's not going anywhere. The gambling side of the hobby, as much as I, I don't gamble at all, or I, at least I don't right now. I just don't have the disposable income to go be like, all right, I'm going to go spend thousand dollars at the slots tonight or or $150 here. But I was like, okay, how can I incorporate gambling into my into my business and and repacks is what i've done with that in the way that 
I like the gambling as like people like the gambling aspect, but I also know that everybody's going to go home with something. And when you get into a break, sometimes you may not go home with something. You may go home with literally trash. That's and, the fun part of repacks. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Yes. And, and I was like, okay, how do I get in this gambling side? Because it's so massive in our hobby. And I know tons and tons of people are getting into it. How do I get into it? How do I put my own little twist on it? And how can I, use my brand that I built and use my reputation that I built to make money doing it. And that, that's, I've only done three repacks right now, but I, I'm going to be doing, I, I've got a collaboration with a breaker right now, but I'm going to be doing my own coming soon to TikTok as well. So let's go. Fire will yeah. be on the watch out for that. Yeah. And the cool thing again about it is listen, you also get to imply your own ethics when you do your own repacks. So you can make sure there's a certain floor. You can make sure there's a certain ceiling. And like, to me, that's something I agree with you. Um, I think when repacks are done properly, which is a hard thing to do, but people do it. There are very good examples of it. They're some of the funnest things because yes, I understand I might spend 500 and only get 250, but I also might spend 500 and get 5,000. And as a gambler, I'm just saying myself, I do not recommend it for anyone. This is just my own degenerate. I am the local degenerate of this show. So, you know, but I like it. I think it's fun. And at the end of the day, even if I get skunked, like you said, I go home with something. I go to the slots. I put in a hundred bucks. If I don't get lucky, I go home with zero. I put a bet on a team money line. They lose. I go home with zero. At least no matter what, you're going home with something. And so I really do like that line. And I think there's a good, even like, you know, balance to doing them. And when done well, I really do like repacks and I'm not just saying that because again, you're on or something like I really do enjoy them. So I just think when done well, that is really, really fun portion of the hobby. It's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Like you said. So if you can't beat them, join them, but do it better. How about that? You know, exactly. <laughs> and there's somewhere you could always, you could always beat them. And if that's in packaging, if that's in, I've just tried to been really transparent with mine. All right. My floor is 60, my ceilings two fifty. There, here's the checklist. Here's everything that you can pull because Smart. if you're not putting a checklist out there, I, I don't know. It's just like shady. It's it's shady. Yeah. It's it's like, well, what what do I have the chance of pulling? Like, did right. you did you buy that $250 card? I, I don't know. It's it's shady. I don't like that. And I like to just be transparent with my customers. If you're gonna be spending $130 on a pack, you should know what you can pull out of there. hundred percent. And that's the value of breaking with someone like you and legit people is like, I didn't even know you do that, but a hundred percent. I think that's an amazing idea. Like when it gets pulled, you can go like here, it's on the checklist. It's gone. Now, you know, like I didn't say, I didn't say I bought this card for this much. It's worth this. I didn't say it's in the pack, but you never saw it pulled, but I promise it was pulled. Like, I, I just think, yeah, when people, that's why I was saying like, when you're working with eth ethical people and they do things the right way, it really is a reassurance and it makes you want to respend money with them. Like I haven't done a repack with you. I probably will end up doing it. But the point being is when you do good business with good people, they end up wanting to come back. So a lot of people are short-sighted and think, oh, I'm making, I'll make an extra 50 bucks or I'll do this little scam or whatever and get it. It's just so short-sighted. You have one reputation in this hobby and let's just be honest. 
people are ruthless. When people screw up, people are ruthless in this hobby. So, you know, you burn that and, you know, you see what happens. We've all seen it. Alex, you know. Yeah, look at the Blake Martinez thing. That's oh, just, my God. It's putting yeah. such a black eye on the Pokemon community now. Like, there might be moms out there that are like, you know what, son, go just go outside. We're not going to go to the card shop this week. Or, you know, just stuff like that down to the micro where it's affecting the, the hobby. That really, that really sucks. So, like, transparency is the key. Just be transparent. Like, I remember I was reading Fanatics Live they literally just launched a few weeks ago, but I was reading the terms of service because I'm a weirdo and do that stuff. Um, they eventually want three cameras on all of their people, all their sellers, all their breakers, like oh, yeah. one overhead, one face, and then one down on the cards. Right now, I think it's at two because they've really vetted and they have some really, really good breakers on there. But again, like saying that three cameras in one, in one breaking sitting, like that's, them saying hey we really need to be transparent and when you are you'll be around as long as you want you know if you're being fair with your repacks or you're breaking or whatever it is you'll be around for a very long time it's not worth that little shot of greed where like like i said blake martinez they were scamming people out of what was it switching the packs or something i don't know the whole story like the biggest hits in my sets are maybe in a psa 10 a couple grand and raw, probably a couple hundred bucks to maybe a thousand for the like you're ruining your entire reputation. Let's just go on the high end, which is I, I don't even think a thousand bucks. Like even let's go high, like five thousand. I would never throw away my hobby rep, not even for a hundred thousand, let alone a thousand freaking dollars. Like it's just it really is sad to see that type of side of the hobby. But you know what? That comes with the good and the bad, it happens. Um, but that's why we need more people like you, Nick, and other good people. And that's why we like to highlight them, especially not only on our podcast, but in general is I think, you know, it's very easy to get into the negative and, you know, what's right or wrong or this, that, but we need to highlight as in the hobby, more of the positive stuff, because as much as there is a ton of negative stuff to go, Ooh, look at this. And it gets the views it makes us look scummy when there's actually so much good stuff behind the scenes. And there's a lot of people who don't even want to be known. They just do good stuff and they don't want to be known and good for them. The only thing I would say is I get your intentions, but I want people to see the bright sides of the hobby too. Like I want people to see the good and not only the negative stories, because that also might scare people. Oh yeah. Your, your reputation is everything you have. And, and one thing I like, I, when, when I sell cards on Instagram, I always tell people, hey, I've got my face all over my Instagram. I've got like you could go and look at my personal Instagram. You go look at everything like this is my business. This is my baby. This is this is everything to me in the way that like this is how I make money. So if I was going to scam you out of a three hundred dollar Trevor Lawrence honeycomb, I'm throwing away hundreds of thousands of dollars because or million, I, in my opinion, millions of dollars, because that's where I'm going to be at at some point. But. I'm not going to like, I will put my face, I will put everything out there just because you know who I am. And if I do screw you over, you can go and tell the whole community. You could put, you could blast me everywhere. You could tell people at shows. It's just not worth it to screw one person over to screw, to basically screw up hundreds, tens, thousands of dollars. It's, it's not worth it at all. Yeah. The hobby finds out quick too. Like we, oh, yeah. we're gossipers. We're all on social media. Like we find out fast. Oh yeah. Very fast. Speaking of reputation as a social media whiz, 
Um, what are some of like, you know, you've done so well in the hobby as of recent. What are some of the do's and don'ts in making content? Because that is your specialty. Like, listen, I see you all over. You've blown up with your content. What do you think are some of the do's and don'ts or tips you can give new people? Kind of like, hey, I would stay away from this type of content or the cheap thrills or the low blow. Like, your opinions. Don'ts. The, the highest don'ts would be anything that's going to get you short-term success that makes you that's not going to allow you long-term success what do i mean by that in the way that all right i'm gonna make this piece of content right now and it may blow it's probably going to blow up but i'm going to say something stupid and nobody's going to want to work with me in the future or i'm going to throw this person under the bus calling this person out throwing shade at this person and then everybody else is going to be like I'm never going to tell him anything because he he's blasting everything on social media saying that this person screwed him over. You can do that. But why did you make a whole video about that? Why did you make a whole reel about that? That That's fine. You could, you could do that, but nobody's going to be honest with you. The, the do's I would say is always be yourself, be original. Try. When I say original, look at what's working for other people and just make a little twist, make a little, little, uh, difference of that content if it's working there's a reason it's working and put your own little twist on it and and always be studying okay this is what's working why is this working oh he's got a really good hook oh he's got really good pictures oh he's got we, we were talking about before this he's got really good cover photos for his reels oh he's got very good music he knows trending audio so always be studying up don't ever get complacent with all right i just got a video that did 100k views I'm not going to post for three more weeks. No, go and post four or five more times this week and make more and more content. It doesn't stop at just one video. Like keep it going. Don't just think that, Oh, I had success here and not, and just stop. Right. Because there's going to be people that see that, that mega big video that did well, and then they're going to keep scrolling through your channel. And a lot of that can carry over to the next video. And then the next video and the next bit, so yeah, taking the breaks like that, you got to assume that the algorithm is like a heartbeat, right? You don't want to flatline it. You don't want to take three, four days off, have some stuff already in the chamber waiting to, to post, even if it's not your best stuff. Unfortunately, we are in an age where we have to please algorithms and people and they go hand in hand. And uh, yeah, that's good advice. Really, really good advice. Be yourself and don't, uh, don't, don't sell yourself out for sure. That's one thing that that uh, I've been trying to work on, you know, been approached by different companies and like, if I don't believe in the company, I'm, I'm just not going to put something out there. I'm sorry. You know, I have to, what my motto is, is if I refer someone, whether it's a roofer or someone that did my lawn or whatever it may be, um, like a card product, I have to have used it myself first in order to be able to refer it to somebody else. And if not, then I'm not going to refer anybody over. So it's just kind of a good, good way of putting it. Yeah. It's always important for me to understand, like back to what you were saying, Nick, is you have to be authentic to yourself and understand your audience. Um, being original is very, very important, but also understanding not, well, understanding your audience and giving them the content, like as you're growing, I think sometimes people try to do or replicate what massive content creators are doing 
and that might not be your audience. What might work for Nick might not work at all for Fat Snacks cards, might not work at all for Sports Card Stallion. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's very different audiences, but also on top of that, being authentic, especially in the beginning to grow your core brand because you want people to like you. You don't want them to like unauthentic you or this character you've made. You want them to like you, but also once you start growing, being able to adapt and start pulling from other people and twi making twists on other types of content and understanding how to grow yourself once you start growing is very important and something that you've done very well. And uh, yeah, that's how I was looking at it pretty much. Um, who are some of the people you've learned from that um, like have really helped you grow in the hobby? You know, I, I would say, like the the one like the person that I came up when I when I first got started in content that I was like watching and he he's not even I would say a reels expert or a short form content expert but I watched Sasha T like all the time and that's how I would like learn how cards works how relationships work so that was the person that I started with and now I'd probably say the long form guy that I I watched and consumed tons of his content is uh sam rothstein he is like great with the the thumbnails he is great with the long-term form videos good quality and and my quality is not there and my editing is not there but i i try to take little things from him dm hey like how'd you do this how'd you do that and then short form wise i mean i've already mentioned on this pod but cblaz just knows how to do it he, he knows yeah, he knows he his audience he knows what works he does minuscule editing and he his i wouldn't say shtick but his thing is just he's a fun guy and and i view myself as a fun guy i mean you could also be serious at some points but lean into what you are don't don't fade away from all right i'm a funny guy don't don't make non-funny content like lean into what you're what you're good at because if, if that's what you're good at, that's what your audience wants to see. If it's getting views, people want to see it more. Like, yep, it's, it's crazy. It's very funny you say that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think Seablez is a great, like, you know, love him or hate him, clown on him or idolize him. He gets views. He understands the hobby. And the no man knows how to market himself. So, yeah, I, I do respect him a lot. Like, I know it's easy to quote unquote people go like, oh, that guy's just a goofball. He knows what he's doing and he's a lot more calculated than people think. Oh. You know, if you just look at Seablez as a character, you ain't, you're not, you got to look above the surface level with that guy. He knows what the heck he's doing and he's very, very smart. Alex, do you want to go with the next question, buddy? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Bringing up some feels here. Name a card that you regret selling that you just think about at night maybe if you have if you have one no i i definitely like the card that like i i, I mentioned this in another pod but my 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 thing that honestly got me to living here living in this apartment i bought a connor mcdavid rpa out of five back in 2017 at the national Dang. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Big boy stuff. Tri triple patch, like beautiful, beautiful card. I, I always mix up if I got the deal at 1200 or if I bought the card at 900 but it was between 900 and 1200 A great deal on the card, nonetheless. Great deal on the card. I mean, at the time, 
it expensive was, as hell. Yes. It, I mean, it was probably a it maybe was a $1,500, $2,000 card, but I got a great deal on the card at the time. Then last year, last year's Chicago Sports Spectacular that you definitely, you guys know about. Shout out to the Spectacular. Amazing, amazing, amazing show. Yes. And and I will be set up again there this November. So come come check out the booth. Yes, sir. Hundred <laughs> percent. Make sure to check out the booth. Yes, but I picked up that card, held it for what four or five years, and I got it graded at, at the national in twenty twenty one. Ended up trading that card out at fifteen thousand trade. So I, I I did really really well in the in the that I saw that card move up. I was very, very stingy on the price. I didn't really want to move it, but I was like, you know what? Like my dad's moving. I'm moving. I got to go get this money for the apartment. I got to have cash on the side if anything happens. And later that year, I had a, a nice little IRS bill. So I had some money put to the side for that, thankfully. Thank so you. I traded that out, sold all the cards off at like 11, 10, 10 to 12 K, I want to say. And I still think about it in the way that like that card could be a $50,000, $60,000 card at some point. But I also view it as that's what kicked me off into being able to go to shows every weekend, being able to travel all the time and being able to make content all the time. So it sucks that I don't own that card anymore. But I also realize like that is what got me kind of got the ball rolling and got me being able to do this and, and being able to sit in this apartment and not have to go get a job right now and, and be able to do cards full time and be able to do that. And people are like, Oh, like, why don't you hold stuff? Why do you quit flip every, everything? It's like, well, this is my job and I need to have cash coming back in. So I, I have a, a deal come up. I've got the money on hand because for example, I didn't know a deal was going to come up last week, bought a $7,000 deal that I did not think that I, that was going to come up. But thankfully I had the cash on hand for that. And if you don't, and you've got cards sitting in, in the cabinets back there, you may not have the cash for that. So 100% man, that's, it's so important. And it's actually shout out to one of our very good buddies and our sponsors at alt.xyz. Um, Eric Myers has always implied this strategy. And this is a guy who has owned the biggest of biggest cards. I mean, every big card you could dream of. From Mantle to Jordan 10s to all the rarest Kobe patch autos, inserts. He owned two of the BG or all three of the BGS 10 Kobe tops, chrome refractors at one. This guy is as big as big gets, you know, up there. And something he's always talked about is something that you did is, yes, it's nice to hold on to cards that you believe in and watch them grow from, like you said, 900 bucks to 15 grand to what you believe might be 50 grand. But not everyone has that luxury. And when you're building a business and starting, making that 10%, 20%, buying a card for 1000 selling it for 1200 taking that 1200 buying two $600 cards, selling both those cards for 850 and you keep rolling that money. I mean, that fifteen grand might be a punch in the gut in the sense of like what you believe that card. But I'm sure you've made so much money more off that fifteen grand. So you you turned into thirteen or twelve k profit. And what is that? Not that you need to give us numbers, but what is that twelve k turned into that you pocketed that you've done now and where your business is now? You could have never done that without that initial no, money. No, so it, it really a lot of people have these like 
oh, I need to sell one card for as much humanly possible. But if you're a sharp like you are and you know how to buy cards and find values and understand how the hobby seasons move and what people are looking for a couple months in advance and, you know, six months out, start buying the popular quarterbacks and, you know, five months out buy the prospects people are going to give again in basketball or buy the Bowman first, stuff like that, and then sell it. Even if you're only making a hundred, 200, if you can do that quick, 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 that shit will add up really, really fast also, you know? Oh, yeah. So I think what you did was probably the smartest decision you could have done. Cause look where you are now. Yes. And, and you also got to think about the reverse too. All right. I buy a card at 1500 bucks. There's times when you have to like so many people in this hobby. And I mean, this is in every industry. You'll buy something at 15 and I have no problem selling something at 12. If, if it's, if it's down to 13, yep. my 1200, I have more confidence me walking into a show. If I have that 1200 in cash, then if I have a card, that is just going to keep depreciating, keep depreciating. If you've got a Zion Silver PSA 10, sorry, buddy, probably not going up anytime soon. It, it may be, maybe he has a good game next year. Maybe his market goes up tremendously. But when, you, when you've gotten beaten down on things, I just view, okay, I have the knowledge to take that money and use that and deploy that in a different area that can get me back to that 1500 easier than watching that card rise back up again. 100% taking losses in this hobby is one of the hardest things to initially learn. But once you realize, hey, like you said, let's just use the same number. I bought a card for 15. It's down to 13. I'm going to sell it for 1150. Get out. But I know myself, I bat 80%. Meaning when I buy cards, 80% of the time I'm going to make money. Or even I bat 75% or 65 at that point, I'll go take that 1100, 1150, go buy two or three cards, reflip those and get back to my even. And then we can retry again because I have supreme confidence in knowing that most of the time when I buy, I'm not going to lose. But this is a game. There's it's like stocks. Shit goes up. Shit goes down, unfortunately. And sometimes you're going to lose. No one. Don't let anyone tell you that they're batting 100 or anywhere near it. Even the sharpest of sharps in the hobby lose money. Um, and I think it's very important to be honest when you lose money. I know a lot. I'm not going to throw any shade or names. I know a lot of people who act like they only hit. And I think that's very dangerous to show people because the best I, I lose money. I'm sure you've lost money, Alex. I'm sure you've lost, the best of the best and the sharpest, of the sharpest lose money and it's going to happen, but it's how you bounce back from those losses, which proves your real kind of quote unquote worth in the hobby of that. Like, you know, being able to, you know, get down when you get punched or get yeah. back up when you get punched hundred and, and people, I think showing your, your, your losses is also like one of the best things you can do. Cause it's like, it's showing that, all right, I'm not a hundred percent. I don't do it right all the time. Like I think two months ago, I showed off my, my Josh Rosen collection that I picked up last year. I spent 700 bucks on it, knowing that the Sean Watson was out thinking, okay, maybe Rosen beats out Brissett and gets a couple starts. What do you know? I buy that collection at 700 bucks thinking, all right, maybe I'll double, maybe I'll, I'll triple my money. He gets cut like three weeks later. I had to sell that stuff for like $150 this year. Like I, I took a massive loss on that. But if you don't show that, like people are like, oh, like he's only going to show his wins. Like I, I want to see your losses too. I want to see when you screw up because that's 
all a part of the process. It's all a part of, of winning as well. Learning, all right, maybe, maybe I don't do that. Or maybe instead of buying one backup, I buy 10 backups. And if eight of them hit, I hit eight of the times. Exactly. Learning how to navigate. And as people that are trying to essentially grow the hobby through content, you don't want to throw curveballs at newbies. You want them to know, hey, yeah, you can have these massive wins over and over again. But the reality of it is you can also have losses like, boom, within an instant, you put two grand in a Kyler Murray card and then, boom, his ACL is gone. Like, oh, the value is going down, man. And it's going <laughs> down hard. And that's just the way that it is. So, I no, I think it's important. Again, like, yeah. Show your losses, be authentic, and just have no curveballs or surprises for people that are new coming in or just anybody that uh, this is this is the reality of it. Oh, yeah. So for our last topic, story time kind of, a little bit of just a recap. <laughs> we all met each other for the first time at the National, had a blast, talked, got you on the podcast. Thank God. Thank you again for coming on. We've had such a good time. But – Myself, I was too curious. You two sickos, I, Nick and Alex over here on camera for a video. A, a Brett Favre candy bar from 1990. What was it, Alex? Six, Six four, 20 plus years old, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just say that much. It was not. Um, how were your stomachs feeling? And did you guys crap your pants all day throwing up? Were you Iron Manning it? I know, Alex, you were having some troubles. I want to hear both your guys' story, and let's just uh, walk down memory lane for the rest of that day. <laughs> I'll, I'll let Alex start with this. I, yeah, I'll, you, you start. I'll give the quick backstory. Like, I was just looking for some different kind of content and uh, ended up ordering this candy bar. It was probably $15, $16 after probably the most expensive candy bar I've ever had <laughs> bought in my life 15, 16 bucks on ebay and i messaged the seller i said oh you know when will this i was just asking him you know when will this arrive and he goes oh about a week i said all right well because i'm using it for a viral video that i maybe kind of have an idea for and he goes well what are you going to do with it i said i'm going to eat it he goes i advise you as a former seller of these candy bars in the 90s not to eat this it will make you extremely sick <laughs> I said, okay, I won't. I won't do it. Just, just send it. You know, get me that tracking. So anyway, me and Nick are going back and forth about content ideas, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I have that candy bar. I'm gonna bring it to the national." And yeah, we ended up just making a video and ripping it, eating it. It did say that it contained milk, which means the milk was probably over 20 years old. Thank you to that cow, by the way, for making that milk. Seems uh, healthy. You know, seems healthy. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, yeah, uh, I think, Nick, you probably took, like, what, 25% of it? Almost half. We just tried No, it. 50%. Come okay, on. Okay, 50. 50. Don't do it, man. You know what? Actually, I think Nick took 75% of it. Yeah, oh, come on. You had 25. Come on. Short anyway, come on. I just remember when I first started eating it, my tongue was like tingling for some reason. I don't know if that was the old milk or what the deal was. <laughs> and yeah, chewed it up, swallowed it. And I did end up spitting a lot of it out too. Won't lie. I personally had had one piece of toast that day. So that going down, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it going down. I like that caramel. I, I had no problem eating that. I was so hungry that day. 
the national well, little, little sidetrack. The food options sucked. Like there's three places to eat, and they were so like it was three tacos for eighteen dollars. I'm like I'm not I'm not paying this for that. Garbage. Love the show. Hate the vendors. Love yes. The food. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like what 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 is this here? But I had that. Alex was spitting it up, and I'm like, oh, like this is fine. That night I came home. And I legit had some. I had some sort of diarrhea going on. No, no mean to uh, to uh, get anybody feeling bad or anything, but I had some of that going on. I had gone. I I did that, and then I went straight to sleep. I think I fell asleep at like seven thirty, eight o'clock that night, just because a the national was such a long time. B my stomach was not feeling very good from that. So. So what you're trying it, to say is you that toast you had just didn't sit right. Yeah, it was probably the it's probably the toast. Probably yeah. probably the butter that I put on that toast that morning. Yeah. That that was probably what did it. But don't suggest anybody does that in the future. Um, but if you do, send us a clip. We're gonna be posting that sometime this week. You still need to get that edited, but but uh we we will get that out this week. We will get that out this week. Sounds good. You heard it, folks. Brett Favre, you may have cheated the people of Mississippi, but you didn't cheat Nick from Stack and Sports. He says your candy bar after 20 plus years is still delicious and it held him over at the national. Yes. There you go. Because the food options were bad. And everything. Do you want to shout out anything? Any shows you're gonna be at, plugs places to find you things you want to promote um you've been absolutely amazing give the guest uh to know where to find you and everything yeah so i mean you could always check my instagram for any shows that i'm going to be going to uh i'm very very active on my instagram stories so if you're ever like oh where are you going to be this weekend i always throw that up there i'm going to be at burbank at the end of the month i'm going to be in dallas next month um most of the i try to get to most of the bigger shows sometimes it's just like Hey, I've got a, a big local show here. Like I, I've got no reason to move. I, I'm able to get the cards for this year's packs or this week's pack. So I don't need to go to that. Um, check out the TikTok, YouTube. We do uh, card show vlogs. What's um, the name for all those? It's stacking sports everywhere. Um, also check out the repacks on my Instagram. I'm working on a Shopify store right now that you're going to be able to purchase packs, either ship to you or open live on Instagram or TikTok. So that is coming very, very soon. For the time being, I've got an exclusive drop that goes with Shy City Pulls, who's also Let's a go. big YouTuber as well. Shy here City. Yes, great. One of the greatest guys in this industry, breaking wise. Another one that is like super transparent, super. Hey, this is what we're doing. Hey, this is what this costs, and and that's why I love collaborating with them and, and working with them. So, if you guys could follow me there, come up to me at shows. I'm also always so happy to take pictures or so happy to uh, just say what's up to people. Sometimes I'm like, hey, I got to run because this is my job. I got to find cards for this week's packs or find this cards for this week's eBay. Right. But I always try to give people the time of day. I don't care if you've got zero followers, one follower or 100,000 followers. Um, I think giving people the time of day is so, so key and growing something long term. So then people can remember you, especially kids like kids are the people that are going to make this hobby keep going. And it's not as easy as when I was a kid to go and open up packs. So showing them, Hey, you can flip cards. Hey, you can do this. You don't have to do the dollar challenge, but you, you could flip cards in any sort of way. And you, you don't have to give those little, 
oh, I'm only, I'm only eight. Can you, can you help me out? Like, yes, we can help you out, but I'm not trading you a dollar card for a $25 card. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And there's ways to teach kids. Like you said, well, once again, guys, that's Nick, uh, stacking sports, um, appreciate having you on. This episode was sponsored by alt.xyz. Alt.xyz. We love you, Alt. Alt, <laughs> go there, consign, get loans, buy cards, everything. Alt.xyz. Liquidity. This is Alt.xyz ASMR. This has been Nick from Stack and Sports. Alex. <laughs> The sports card stallion and Jordan at Stacks Cards. We love you so much. Thanks, man.